Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to the Ditching Perfection podcast. As we start today, I have a question for you. All right, here it is. Has perfectionism ever gotten tangled up with your identity? Okay, let me explain a little bit more in case you aren't 100% sure. Have you ever found your worth or your value in your gifts or productivity? Okay, so I'm assuming that many of you are nodding your head or saying yes. And if that's the case, A, you're not alone. (laughs) And B, oh my word, today's episode will be such a great message for you because I mean, I, oh my goodness, I gleaned so much from this conversation with my friend Linda today. And I know that you will too, as she shares with us some of her ditching perfection journey and the insights that she has gleaned along the way. We also talk about parenting and we talk about, in my opinion, what I think is the best Disney movie ever created, Encanto. I love it. My family loves it. I'll tell you what, my little Junie bug, my two-year-old, every morning as she eats breakfast, she wants to watch Encanto. And she knows a lot of those words to the Bruno song, don't we all? (laughs) But it is so great. But Linda, she like goes through some incredible processing about that movie and the messages that it has for us perfectionists. So I can't wait for you to hear that particular segment. It is just too fun. But before we dive into the conversation, I want to tell you about my friend Linda. So Linda Moon is the director of education and the associate pastor at her church in Southern California. She is also the director of Grow Kids Curriculum for Stuff You Can Use. And if you're not familiar with Stuff You Can Use, it is an organization that creates curriculum and resources for your church for all ages, for kids, for youth, and for adults. And that's how I got connected with Linda. I have had the opportunity to collaborate with Linda and the rest of the Stuff You Can Use team in in working on some series for kids and teens. And it has been a ball. And I am so grateful for the ways that they partner with local churches. And so if you're interested, you should check out their website, Stuff You Can Use. But I will put that in the show notes so you know exactly where to go for that. But anyway, back to Linda. Linda has been a children's pastor for 15 years, but... Ever since seventh grade, she has actually been serving in kid ministry. And she also has a bachelor's degree in biological sciences, a master's degree in theology, and in cross-cultural studies. And she has her doctorate degree in educational leadership with a concentration in educational psychology. She is a smart cookie, my friends, but she is so humble, so wise, so kind. And she's an amazing mom. She and her husband have two sons, and their ages are eight and four. Also, another thing I wanted to share with you is that Linda and I were really excited that this particular episode would be ready for you all to hear in May because May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I'm so grateful for Linda and her background and her perspective. 
I value all that she has to share and I'm so grateful to learn from her. And so this month is, it's just a treat to have her during AAPI Heritage Month. Well, with all that said, let's dive in to hear this dynamic, fun, and encouraging conversation with my friend, Linda Moon. Well, hi, Linda. Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Hey, Carly. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you're here. We have been talking about this for a couple of months now, so I'm so thrilled that you're here. And for- yeah, absolutely. Yes. And for everyone that's listening, this is my friend, Linda. And I'll have her introduce herself a little bit in more detail in a moment, but Linda and I have gotten connected through Stuff You Can Use, which I'm sure she'll talk about in a moment, but she is this incredible creative and this writer who loves families and kids and Jesus. And so it's just been so fun for me as a collaborator with Stuff You Can Use to get to learn from Linda and her absolute genius in in ministry And also I have to say, Linda is the queen of gifts, you guys. So (laughs) if you love gifts, she always has the best one. That's like the cutest, most little encouraging image. And that has been (laughs) just so fun for us to to connect that way. But with all of that said, Linda, I would love for you to share more in detail about, about who you are and how you spend your time these days. Um, Yeah, before I go there, I actually wanted to raise a question. Is it GIF or GIF? I think this is the ongoing debate. Oh my gosh, I've um, never heard the other way. GIF like I, GIF like peanut butter? I normally butter? say GIF, mm-hmm, like the peanut butter. Whoa. I don't know why. That's just the first one I heard. So it stuck with me. Because right then when you said, oh, she has the most amazing gifts, I was just like, I do not. Because <laughs> I thought you said gifts. <laughs> well, you do have amazing gifts with oh, a T also. Yes, you do. I wasn't fishing, I promise. <laughs> well, it's true though. But that is so funny. I've never yeah. heard GIF. No. Okay. Okay. That is an interesting one. I do love sending gifts and gifs. So if y'all want to text me. (laughs) So fun. Okay. Uh, Well, yeah, I'll introduce myself. Hi, I'm Linda. I'm a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) We all are. Um, Yes. Um, Other than that, I'm a little honored and a little confused, like equal parts, because like, I feel compared to like all the other people that have been on this podcast, I feel supremely ordinary. And like, I know we need to not fall into this comparison trap and all. Um, But I remember when I was younger, I read this book called The Ordinary Princess. Mm. And it was, I don't know if you've read it. Um, It's like one of those, like, you know, those like kitty books that you just buy at a book fair. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the story was about this girl. She was like the seventh of a line of princesses. And all her older sisters had these amazing gifts. And they're all like beautiful. They can sing and dance and decorate or whatever. Um, But then for the fairy came to give her a blessing because that's what they did every every year that the child was born um and the fairy was like so done with all the princesses and all the gifts and it's like they're vain and they're useless and so um child I'm going to give you the gift the most amazing gift and the gift was you shall be ordinary and I remember reading that thinking that is terrible I'm like why would you do this to her she's a princess like she needs a special fairy blessing Mm -hmm. and so I've always like kind of associated that like ordinariness with that kind of that negativity Mm. Um, but yeah since then I've grown very comfortable with being ordinary so like I'm really glad to be here I honestly would never in a million years describe you as ordinary though oh my goodness (laughs) it's you have you are so dynamic and so creative You've got the 
Yes. Like in your job and the ways that sometimes I need help with brainstorming with the writing side of things, you just have the quickest ideas. Like you're really incredible in your creativity and the way you use that for the kingdom. And that is not ordinary. Oh, thank you for that. I really love working with creative people because I think that just spurs more creativity. So I really love what I do. Um, So yeah, I'll talk about that. Um, I I oversee our kids curriculum at Stuff You Can Use. It's called Grow Kids. Um, Mainly I get to work with brilliant writers like Carly um, and we get to dream up some wonderful series uh, that churches can use in their kids ministry. Um, And it's really fun because I get to be a part of like ideating these things, coming up with the Bible stories and big ideas and like talking about how to incorporate a fun theme and then helping develop those ideas further and just tell it in a way that's ecumenical and practical. And so that's been really fun. It's such a blessing. And I've been with Stuff You Can Use since 2019. So okay. That's, gotcha. that's been really great. Um, and also at the same time, um, I came to a new church um, and where I am the, I, what is the word? I think I'm the director of education, I think is the official okay. title, but basically mm-hmm. I oversee Next Gen Ministry. Um, and I've been a children's pastor for like 15 plus years. Um, okay. I like to tell people I basically never left Sunday school because like <laughs> I was in Sunday school and I was a volunteer and then I became a, a minister. So it's just kind of never ends. Um, but uh, it's been fun. So I, I work at a small Korean American church in La Cañada, California. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and a part of that was, uh, it was funny because when I first joined the church, uh, we're, we're still very small and even smaller since the pandemic. Um, and I told my senior pastor, I was like, you know, I think if we really want church growth, we really need to reach out to our second generation Korean Americans who only speak English because we are a predominantly Korean speaking church. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I feel like we need an English speaking ministry and, you know, we should find somebody to do it. And he like looked at me and he was like, I think you should do it. And I was like, what? No, like I'm a woman. I'm no, Mm. (laughs) right? It's just one of those things. Um, I've never done adult sermons before. It's always been kids ministry. Yeah. Was like, no, I'm confident you can do it. So then we also launched an English ministry. Uh, So it's just been an ongoing thing. Wow. That's amazing. So with that new ministry and a whole different way of ministering, like going to adult, adult sermons. What have you learned about God in that new role in something that was maybe out of your comfort zone? Right. Completely out of my comfort zone, because I think um, more than anything, the biggest the biggest things that held me down was always those self-limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So always felt like, oh, I don't have enough knowledge or I don't have enough theology background and I don't have such and such. And so I never thought that that could be a demographic I could reach, you know, Mm -hmm. like kids I can do. And honestly, writing kids sermons is very hard. I don't know why people underestimate this. I try to like pack these huge theological concepts into kids sermons is so hard. Um, But also now to kind of add that extra dimension of like, now we got to make it applicable to adults. And Mm -hmm. it's been very challenging, but then also it just really kind of opened up the way I read and view and apply scripture Mm -hmm. because it got me to really challenge all the ways that I had been taught Mm -hmm. and all of kind of like our preconceived ideas about the passages to like really dive in and be like, well, what 
is it actually saying? Like, what are the real implications here? So that's been a fun journey for me personally. And to yeah. be able to share that with others, that's really been fun. <laughs> mm, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And hard sometimes though, right? Very, to very hard. To let go of some of the things that we've held on to for so long and the right. frame of reference that we've had. Right. And yet to go, okay, God, I'm going to open this. I'm going to have open hands and say, teach me and clarify. And that's, that can feel really vulnerable. Did that feel vulnerable for you? Absolutely vulnerable. And like, just to kind of come to terms with the fact that I actually don't know the Bible as well as I thought I did, you know, because I've been a kid's pastor for so long, but you know, you handle all the stories, you know, and you just kind of go in the same angle, you teach the same lessons. And then like to actually like attack it from different points of view, Mm -hmm. that was really vulnerable to tell myself like, oh, I don't know the answers. Like I don't actually know what this is about. Mm -hmm. And so that's been very humbling, but in like the very best way, because it's nice to be like, there are things to learn and share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I think getting comfortable with saying, I don't know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and knowing that that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for us that have perfectionist type tendencies, we feel like we have to have an answer or a solution or a fix. And so the, the space in our lives, when we have to say, I don't know, like being concerned that people maybe disappointed in us or we're letting people down or we're maybe letting God down. Sometimes we might feel like that. Uh Like that can be really hard, but I've actually found such a gift of grace in the space of going, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And God will teach me, but I also am learning and saying, I don't know. I'm learning to let go of pleasing people. And that's really hard, but I'm thankful because when I feel like I have to conjure up an answer that I actually don't really know, or if it's not rooted deeply in me yet, it actually causes me way more stress and way more anxiety. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause yes. then you have to backtrack and be like, is that actually right? Yes. <laughs> and then exactly. that people pleasing thing kicks in. Cause like, Oh my goodness, did I just offend somebody? Like, did I say something wrong? And right. a lot. yeah, just to right. say, I don't know, I think is such a gift of peace, you know, mm-hmm. just to be like, you don't need to have the answers. And mm-hmm. that is a fairly new concept for me. <laughs> oh, me too. Yes. Yes. And so in this season, as you've been really embracing the, I don't know, but also continuing to dig deeper and find God in new ways, what have been some tools or practices that have been helpful for you in that season? Oh, uh, that's a good one maybe just reorganizing who I am and just kind of mm-hmm. all the different things that had been deeply entrenched in me and kind of like pulling it out and finding different places for it. That has just been really helpful for me mm-hmm. um, because like, I mean, perfectionism, like I honestly didn't know there was a life outside of it, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. being perfect is just kind of what I thought I always had to be because it was very much conflated with what I thought were spiritual mandates. Like, this is what God wants me to do, right? Because like, I need to work super hard because it's for God, you know? And I have to like hold up this perfect image because I don't want to cause others to stumble, you know, (laughs) things like that. And so that has just been uh, something that I had to kind of like break down a little bit and be like, okay, well, what is the essence of like what I do? Like, why am I doing this? And kind of just, 
asking more questions, I think, about what I do has been really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So like one thing I like to do now is to um, kind of reframe how I think of failure and feedback, which to Mm. me, a lot of times go hand in hand, because Uh I mean, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, failure is an opportunity to grow. Like, don't be afraid of it. But for me, like failure and like negative feedback, for example, is such it's so crippling for me. And just to be like, you know, it's not personal, like, because I failed at something or because somebody didn't like what I did, you know, doesn't mean that I am a terrible person or I am a failure and just to be able to disconnect that like disconnect what I do and what I can't do very well from like who I am as a person Mm -hmm. has been very liberating because then that allows me to take risks and be like you know I'm gonna try this and if I fail then mm, I won't do it again or I'll learn a different way to do it and so that's been really fun to unpack (laughs) yes that is so good as you're saying that I'm just going oh my gosh I hear you. I've been in that boat and still struggle. Like when I get feedback, constructive criticism, Mm -hmm. oh, learning to not let that stick to my identity. Right. Go, okay, I'm solid. I'm rooted. And I do want to grow and learn and be the best version of myself and not do it in a way that I don't want to respond in a way that's that's, um, like hearing the voice of shame. Mm-hmm. Like I want to hear it as, as a voice of encouragement, but it's really hard because all of a sudden it's like my brain puts that, that constructive criticism in a disguise <laughs> when the person yeah. never intended it to be negative. Right. right. And it's yeah. like, they can, anyone who gives any kind of criticism, it's not, you know, they're not sitting there going, I'm going to personally like, you know, debilitate this person, you know, it's like, this is just what I think. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't have to be like, well, what you think is the gospel truth. And therefore I must take that like completely to heart. So that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Having a good balance of giving, giving people's opinions, the, the proper amount of attention, but not too much attention either. Right. Right. Yeah. Just to yeah. generally care less, I think is mm-hmm. a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So with that, you, uh, stuff you can use work with a big team, mm-hmm. a lot of people on your specific team that are, that are full-time with stuff you can use. And then a lot of people like me that just pop in from time to time. And, and what I, another thing I loved about stuff you can use is the diversity of voices that are brought to the table. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned working with a team? And, and I know we just talked about feedback and constructive criticism, sure. but any other things as you work with your team that have just been really impactful in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. Cause um, when I was kind of thinking about what are some things I might want to share today, um, I just realized how much like perfectionism was entangled with my identity uh-huh. and like it's like onions of like an uh, like onion layers mm-hmm. but like onions within onions like there's just so many layers to like peel back and and so like I mean just culturally being Asian American um, there's that whole um, perfectionism level there Um, and then there is kind of like growing up as an evangelical Christian there's the whole thing there and then there's me being like an only child of a single parent you know there's levels of perfectionism to unpack there and so being a part of a team like stuff you can use where you know you're not expected to be perfect you know but you're actually expected to bring your unique voice 
into the mix and to speak from your experiences and to and to like and for them to be validated you know I think that was just really helpful for me to really like kind of confront those things because Uh as a perfectionist what you want to do is hide all of those away (laughs) but Uh to be like you know what actually this part of me is super flawed um but because of this here's what I can say about it and that's just been really powerful for me as Uh a writer an editor as a speaker like all of those different things I do that has been really helpful for me I think Mm, I love that yes because sometimes we feel like we want to hide our flaws or hide our weaknesses or the past experiences that we're maybe not proud of. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's actually in those things that we then, because of God's grace in our life, have a unique perspective and voice to bring that is that the world would be missing out on if we didn't share it. You know, if we tried to just hide all of that and have this like hard exterior armor that we wore all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So I love that. I think that's just such a good reminder for us to to not hold back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for anyone who's struggling with that perfectionist type onion that you just described, that is really in the depths of really, you know, wearing that armor and not wanting to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. What are some pieces of advice that you would have for people in that situation? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because that is something that I'm working on. I mean, we're all working on probably, um, but I've always been taught that vulnerability is just not an option. Even as you hear from the pulpit, like you want to be vulnerable, you want to be broken, you know, come just as you are. (laughs) But even through all of that, when you put that on, you know, that's not a good look. It's something Mm. people talk about, especially for me as a pastor's kid, as a leader, Mm. it's like I was not allowed to be vulnerable. Um, And so like, I don't know, my not really advice, I guess, just kind of just sharing my thoughts on it (laughs) um, Mm, based on my experience is just like, I just invite everybody just to be vulnerable in a way that it's real, it's it's practical because I've met a lot of people who are vulnerable, but it's performative. You know, it's not really just, um, it's not really speaking from a truthful place. Mm-hmm. And I think just for people to know that, oh, you're a real person who make real blunders, mm-hmm. you know, just even yeah. however small, however big, um, that really helps people relate. Um, I think um, as I used to, I teach a lot of kids um, in ministry. I used to also run an after school program. And so um, I would talk to kids and try to encourage them. Mm-hmm. And um, they would be like, well, you're different. Like, you know, they're like, you're not relatable because apparently in their mind, I was like the vision of perfection, mm-hmm. which of course we're not, but like, that's mm-hmm. kind of how they perceive me. Yeah. Um, and so like one way I tried to remind myself um, just to be vulnerable in like real ways um, is uh, a few years ago when my older son was in preschool, um, he had his first Christmas performance and I was super excited, you know, my first kid, you mm-hmm. know, first Christmas performance. So I had my phone ready and everything. And he cried through the entire thing. And, you know, like, and I have a video of him. It's like they brought him out to do his solo or speaking part or whatever. And he was just crying the whole time. And then the teacher had to improvise and like kind of get the rest of the kids to say his line and whatnot. And in that moment, I was so disappointed that I didn't get that picture perfect shot of my child, you know, just shining on the stage you know and then I had to like really kind of repent in a way and be like 
why wasn't I more aware, more attentive, more empathetic towards my kid in that moment, instead of being like, why didn't you do the thing you were supposed to do? So I ended up posting that video on Instagram to be like, you know what, like, I'm going to capture even the imperfect moments, and I'm going to share them with you all, because I want to remind myself more than anyone that it's okay to be vulnerable, to not be perfect. And I want to tell my kid I love him regardless of yeah. how well he performed that night. So yeah. um, that's just kind of like one way I've been attacking that on my end. Yeah, that's really relatable and <laughs> and helpful because I think many of us, you know, myself included, but many people that are listening are dealing with this perfectionist journey learning to pursue wholeness in Jesus mm-hmm. while also parenting. Right. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I become way more aware of my perfectionist tendencies when I am in these moments with my kids where all of a sudden I'm going, oh my goodness, you girls are like a mirror to me to all of a sudden see some of the, the things that I know I need to grow in and work on. Right. And so for, for parents that are listening, that are like in our phase of life with young kids that are also on this perfectionist journey, what are some of the tools or things that you have found helpful in your own parenting journey, but also in ministry that, that really help us as parents pursue wholeness? Yeah, I think the best thing that I've discovered that has been very freeing for me as a parent and as an educator is that every child is different and every approach, there is no one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. And again, this isn't new, but as a parent, you kind of want your kid to be the one where this approach works. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I know like every kid is different and, you know, but like, I wish my kid would fit the mold, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think just kind of realizing that you know, every kid's journey is different. Every kid's gifts and strengths are different. And also just kind of where they are emotionally, developmentally, like even within, like, you know how, when you go to the pediatrician's office, they give you kind of that, that growth chart Uh and like, oh, your kid is in like this percentile, you know? And it's like, okay. But like, so that doesn't mean your child is like good or bad or better. You know, it's just Uh kind of, that's just where you are numbers speaking, but that doesn't mean anything really like your child is a whole person by themselves and so I think something that I am trying with my kids and oftentimes failing is just to kind of um, just help them kind of work towards that like mastery oriented approach when it comes to anything like I want them to love learning I don't want them to learn because it's been pushed on them, you know, like I grew up very like academically pushed, right? And I I mean, I pushed myself, obviously, but, you know, that's kind of the environment I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want my kids to be like, you know, I I don't want them to kind of work for performance. I want them to just absorb and learn and just enjoy that process. But at the same time, I want them just to be kids. You know, I don't want to have to like keep pushing them to kind of do all these things that kind of limits their childhood, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because I noticed, cause I grew up kind of basically just studying, right? Like all I did was study books, books. And I mean, I 
enjoy it. But at the same time, that's all I knew. So I'm like trying with my kids to not do that. Like, I don't want to just push them and be like, you must make the A's, right? Mm -hmm. But I also noticed that in that process of trying to not get them to be like super academic unless they want to be, Mm -hmm. I'm like pushing them to be super well-rounded. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole pressure on its own as well. And so, I mean, I have, I have the most illuminating conversations with my kids, as I know you do as well. Like, they're, they're our best teacher sometimes. And, like, for example, my older son, he would always say, like, every time he makes a mistake, he knows that he, he kind of, like, eyes me. And he goes, well, mom, everybody makes mistakes. Like, he kind of, like, says that preemptively because he knows something is coming. Yeah. And then, so that kind of cuts me off on my track. I'm like, you're right so what did we learn from this mistake mm-hmm. um and then like my younger son who's now four like we were building legos together like this is completely nothing but we were building legos together and i was getting frustrated because he kept putting the pieces in all the wrong places because he's four <laughs> but i was like no it doesn't go there it goes here yeah. and then he said he said mommy i'm trying my best but i'm so small oh <laughs> Which I was like, it really has nothing to do with building Legos, but it just kind of gave me perspective on like, yes, you are small and you are trying your best. And that's really all that matters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Those insights that they bring is Mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness. Yes. It helps teach us because in a way that we can use that too. Like we are limited. We are not perfect. And we're just doing our best. Too. Yes, <laughs> we are so small. And that's yes. okay too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, that's so good. Yes. And you mentioned earlier, you said, I'm trying my best with my kids, but I fail. And I, you know, we all do. I do too. Right. And instead, one thing that I feel like God has been helping me with in my parenting is instead of being frustrated with myself about the fail, to unpack that in an obviously age-appropriate way with my kids, <laughs> but to go, oh, you know what? I was not as patient just now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's that was not my best moment, mm-hmm. and to process that with them so that when they fail, then they're like, oh yeah, I've seen my mom. She does that too. But for them to know it's safe to admit the the area of weakness and to be able to process it in a way that's healthy. Because I think for so long, I would just try to suppress my failure mm-hmm. or feelings of failure. Right. But my counselor has really helped me go, hey, it's a part of life. So let's just handle it in a healthy way. So right. trying to get vulnerable back once again to the vulnerability, to be vulnerable even with my kids and processing the moments where I wasn't at my best mom moment and knowing right. it's okay. And maybe yeah. that's a gift to them, you know? And even like draw attention to that. Like before, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, my instinct also is to kind of be like, mom is perfect and she doesn't make any mistakes. And so just listen to what she says. Yeah, yeah. Um, But just to actually be like, you know what? That wasn't great. And you should know that that wasn't great Mm -hmm. and you should Mm -hmm. expect better from me. But at the same time, it kind of keeps me accountable to be better and just to try at it and to let them know, oh, we can make mistakes and we can grow from them. Yeah. Um, one thing we started doing in our home is um, we kind of frame everything as a thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, every time I 
well, when our kids do this and I do this, like every time we kind of mess up somewhere, I'm like, well, thank you for being patient with me or thank you for letting me do that or thank you for not getting angry even though mommy didn't make you the pancakes the way you wanted them, you know, kind of just kind Mm -hmm. of framing that as a thank you. And so that's been really helpful and like very positive language that we've been using. And so my four-year-old is picking it up because now he thanks me for everything, which is hilarious because the other day we were driving um, somewhere and he was like, mommy, thank you for making a left turn. <laughs> I was like, you're welcome. I did it just for you. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was just so funny just to kind of see how the language seeps in. And yeah. so I, that was a great way. I mean, honestly, everything I'm trying to do with my kids is mostly for me. It's very selfish, but it's like, I want to grow <laughs> mm-hmm. and I want you to watch me grow and yeah. not do what I do basically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> But what a great idea with the thank yous. I love that, that there's always something that we can be thankful for, even in the moments that we wish maybe we would have handled it differently. I I love that. I'm going to have to implement that. That's a great idea. It's been fun because it also challenges me. Like, where is the thank you in this moment? You know, (laughs) Mm, I love that. That's so good. I, that will be one of our key takeaways of this episode. I will share it at the end. Yes. I love that. So good. And if you can't find a thank you, you know, just thank God in that moment, you know? It's so true. (laughs) There's always something to thank God for. Yes, that is so true. Okay, so Linda, one of the things that you and I have bonded over is Disney. Like we both love Disney. Love it. I think recently I even saw you guys are collecting like Happy Meal Disney figurines. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I basically collect all the Happy Meal toys. Well, not all of them, just the ones I really like. So Disney, for sure, we collect them all. It drives my husband nuts, but he kind of just leaned into it. (laughs) So now he's actually the one he's like, hey, did you see that McDonald's had this thing? I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I'll go collect them. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I love that. Because he knows it's coming anyway. He's like, might as well. Yes, that's (laughs) so fun. Uh So Disney, you and I also have texted often about Encanto Mm -hmm. and some of the amazing messaging for perfectionists in that movie. So I would love to chat with that about that for a minute. So will you tell us some of your insights that you feel like are things that we should glean from Encanto when we watch it over and over with our kids? Like I was telling you earlier today, um, I think we have that on every single day in our house while Mm -hmm. my littlest is eating breakfast. She wants to watch Encanto, but you know, it's on in the background and I may not always like sit and really glean from it, but there's a lot there. So what are some of the the takeaways for us from that movie? Oh my goodness. This movie has, is this the first movie that has bonded our family in terms of, because now my young younger son is old enough to understand the stories and mm-hmm. sing along with the songs. And so like, we're making Alexa play in Ganto every single day, like mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, and it's, it's so great because it's such a strong, like family centered mm-hmm. story. Um, but just to kind of like, see how like perfectionism was so deeply rooted in that family. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of see all of the beauty that erupts when that breaks down, um, that has just been really fun to just watch for myself. They don't know that. They're just like, that's a fun song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like my youngest is ex- excited about the dancing donkeys. Like that's yeah. what draws him to the movie. <laughs> uh, but there are just so many tropes 
about being perfect or imperfect, or even being perfect while being imperfect, if that makes any sense. Like we can start with Mirabelle. She's like the central character and she's the only one. I don't know if this is a spoiler, but if you haven't seen Encanto yet, then you need to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And she's the only one in her family without a gift. And um, she sings in one of her, her solo songs, she says like, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. And like the way she sings about her family, she's like, I love my family. They're amazing. And since they're amazing, I'm in this family. I'm amazing too. You know, basically she tries to cover up her imperfections by being perfectly okay. And then later, like she breaks that down and she's like, I'm not fine. And she's like always on this quest to prove herself instead of just kind of being herself because like nobody in her family like takes her as she is. And I thought that was really interesting because um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and they were like, oh, that abuela, you know, grandmother is so toxic. Like, look at the culture she set up for her family. And I was like, yes. And also even her parents, because like, even in the way that they're trying to protect her, like they say her, they love, they say they love her and unconditionally, and they, they're so proud of her and all those things, but they never create any opportunities for her to be her. Like they never defend her. You know, they're always just kind of like, oh yeah, you're great, but you know, keep it down. (laughs) You know, like we love you, but they don't. So, you know, that's kind of what's happening. And I feel like that is something that we can definitely relate to because, you know, we're, oh yeah, we say we're okay with not being perfect, but let's keep that, you know, (laughs) amongst ourselves. Let's not portray that to the rest of the world. And so those are like just some of the themes. I mean, every single character is dealing with some facet of perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. Like Isabella is just like picture perfect. So she can't stand when anybody tarnishes her perfect outlook. And then when she finally starts to realize that, oh, it's okay. You know, like, I don't have to keep maintaining this image. That's fine. You know, and then like Louisa is like super strong and like, mm-hmm. I can't be vulnerable. I have to be invincible. I can't be emotional. Yeah. And like, oh, it's just like, even Bruno, I realized um, as I was thinking about these characters, like, I think he might have been the only person who saw everybody in all their imperfections but then once he saw that he would be contributing to the imperfection like to kind of like tarnishing that perfect image he just removed himself from the picture so that the perfection could remain and so all of those things were just like completely interwoven into the story so like talking about perfection I think is a perfect theme for that movie I mean there's there are a lot of things happening but for one, there are so many things to learn from each of the characters, I think. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I hadn't thought about that with Bruno, but yeah, his removal of himself right. was like a, a way that he just didn't want to rock the boat, right. you know? Right. And that's really sad. Right. Yeah. And I think that we do that too, like even in the church or even at work, maybe we're like, everything is fine as is. And I don't want to go in there and disrupt that status quo. So I'm just going to remove myself. Yeah. Like, no, we need you. Like, we need you in the mix. We need your voice. And yes. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So at the end of the movie, when, I mean, middle to end, but when the house starts to crumble and mm-hmm. everything starts to seem like it's all breaking, that ends up being where the healing begins. Right. And so talk to us about how we see the the restoration story from perfectionism in that movie too right 
So honestly, I think if I could be critical of anything in the movie, I just thought that resolution came too quickly. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe it's just because everyone just wanted more Encanto, like let's hear more songs. So it's over already. Um, But I think just in a way it's perfect because like once you have that epiphany, then that's when you can start healing and, and it can be that quick. And so that was really great. And I think I loved how it started at the top you know, because it was like, oh, Maribel's a problem. She's like destroying the magic. Um, But Abuela was like, you know, it was me. I was the one that was destroying the magic because I was trying to keep up appearances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, to be fair, she wasn't doing it out of, you know, selfish reasons. She just really wanted to serve her family. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember you said on a, you and someone on a previous podcast talked about how the opposite of perfectionism is service, which Mm -hmm. I thought was super deep. But yeah. there is also so much perfectionism in service. You yeah, know, like right. you just want to do it perfectly, want to help people. You want to be someone that anyone can count on at sure. all times. And I felt like that was what Abuela was trying to just maintain. And when she realized like, oh, I've been kind of neglecting, like loving them and embracing them just so that I can keep up this image I think that's kind of like that realization is exactly what was needed for that healing to begin and for everybody to kind of embrace you know who they are and what they contribute like in addition to your gifts you can also like not use your gifts and still be just as valuable I thought that was very powerful yes that is such a good reminder that our gifts don't define our worth and that's why I love Mirabelle and who she is. And it's interesting. You talked about at the very beginning of our conversation, the ordinary princess. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's kind of that character. Right. But she is the one who really helps bring the family to health and restoration. Right. Because she was really learning to not find her identity in these bright, shiny, sparkly gifts. Right. 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 So Linda, going back to you and you feeling <laughs> like you resonated with that princess. I'm like, you're, you're not, you're not ordinary. Like I said earlier, (laughs) but also you also rooting yourself and, and learning and being on the journey to root yourself, not in the, the, the gifts, not in the having to have it all together. Like your rootedness in that way, like Mirabelle is, is an invitation for others to find health and wholeness and healing too. And that's like so important because it, we need you, we need Mirabelle's in our lives to remind us that everything else will crack eventually. Right. As well, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that ends up being Mirabelle's superpower is that she knew how to be ordinary and how to do things without the magic. And Mm -hmm. that is what healed it in the end. And Mm so I think that's such a helpful reminder for us all that, you know, I mean, the uh, Abuela sings a line at the end where she goes like, you know, it's not just some gift, like just you, like all of you, Mm -hmm. like you're, you know, and I just love that. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, just for us to be comfortable with that, just being me is Mm -hmm. perfect. Um, um, That is such a powerful and kind of scary thing to say out loud, Uh um, especially because it sounds like a humble brag, uh, but just to kind of come to terms with like, this is what I have to offer and that's complete and that's completely okay, you know? Uh So 
yeah, absolutely. Maribel is my favorite character. Mm -hmm. Like her solo song is the one I sing all the time um, with my kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, she's just so beautiful because she is so ordinary, but because she's so ordinary, she's extraordinary. And I love that. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) And she's not relying on anything besides who she is to be Mm -hmm. amazing. And that's (laughs) awesome. And I was thinking about with Abuela, how you, I appreciated that you said she did all of this building of her family around these gifts with good intention, right? Like she really did her perfectionism. She thought was serving her and her family well, Mm -hmm. and how oftentimes we can do that too, where we think perfectionism is our good friend because perfectionism has gotten us to the places that we want to go. It's helped us attain. It's helped us persevere. You know, it's helped us earn whatever we feel like we need to earn. And so sometimes we can see it as our, it's been our, it's been our path. It's been our Avenue. Mm -hmm. And, and so first of all, to give ourselves like grace in that Mm -hmm. and to go, it's okay. Like our intention has never been negative, but we have just found this coping mechanism that now is revealing itself to be having cracks in it and to be unhealthy. Um, But I think in that process of seeing the cracks, it's so easy for us to hear the voice of shame or that inner critic just to come in and, and really like shake the finger at us. Right. Right. But I love that Abuela's story reminds us that it, she had good intention and it was able to be rebuilt. You know, it wasn't catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, something interesting I noticed is when the, when the house first starts to fall into disrepair, Mirabel is the first one to notice it. And when she goes to get Abuela to tell her that the house is falling apart, the house is completely fine, you know? Mm. And so it's like, even the house was scared to show their cracks, you know? Wow, yeah. I I can reveal myself to Mirabel because like, it doesn't affect her really. Mm. But like to Abuela, no, we can't let Abuela down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was very interesting to see. And so I, I love what you're saying about that, how we can allow those cracks to show. And that's mm-hmm. completely all like, all right. Like, I don't know. That's really hard for me to like say out loud. But it's I know. All right. Yes. Yes. It is a challenge. Yes. And I actually mentioned briefly in my, in the conversation last week on last week's episode, um, this line that I feel like really connects with what we're talking about. Danielle Strickland, who is a, a role model for me in ministry. Mm-hmm. She says, true humility is agreeing with God about who you are. Right. Isn't oh, that so good? That is so good. And so I love that. Like, I feel like that really brings together what we're talking about with Mirabelle, like mm-hmm. just agreeing with God about who we are. And that, that doesn't tip to, that's not being prideful. And it's right. also then not being, uh, living into false humility. You know, it's right. really just saying, this is who I am. Right. And I am, I am rooted. I'm secure. I'm safe. I'm loved just by being me. Right. Yeah. It's a hard thing to get to. <laughs> and, and that's why God's grace just helps us every day. But, but that's the goal. Yeah. To agree right. with God about who we are. Right. I mean, like I struggle with like being self-deprecating a lot. It's something that I'm definitely trying to grow um, out of yeah. <laughs> and to grow into other things. Um, but I think a lot of it does have to do with my cultural roots because, you know, mm-hmm. you it's like, I mean, much like the family, Madrigal. You know, we yeah. we are very 
uh, I was raised very much to be family centric and to bring honor to the family. I mean, speaking of Disney, like in the Mulan movie, mm-hmm. when um, Mulan is trying to just speak out against, you know, her dad being drafted, even though he obviously can't fight in a battle right now. Mm-hmm. And instead of like finding compassion, he like turns his head and he's like, Mulan, you dishonor me. And I remember just, mm-hmm. I feel that, but not as like, oh, like that father is so unreasonable. It's like, oh yeah, Mulan, like you have to know your place, you know? Mm. And so um, just kind of reframing that also has been a challenge. And so um, I just, and I think conflating that with kind of like spiritual upbringing and all of those things just has been a, a way for me to be like, you know, like that, I mean, that quote is so beautiful and that is, it perfectly encapsulates like, yes, like, just because you know you're not perfect doesn't mean that you need to like put yourself down (laughs) like right you can can celebrate your strengths you can celebrate like your weaknesses you know Mm -hmm. and just be just wholly what God made you to be and I think that's that's wonderful yeah it's so true so with that I feel like that perfectly brings us perfectly I mean you know (laughs) whatever perfectly brings us to this question about that we like to do every week about celebrating ourselves oh okay so Linda tell us how you can celebrate you and who God has made you to be (laughs) and what he's doing in your life in this season Okay, so my most recent win has nothing to do with like anything I'm doing um, with my life um, in terms of my work or other kinds of pursuits. Um, But my most recent win is actually an L in the books, um, because I want to celebrate losing my first ever singles tennis match. Yeah, it was so scary. Um, I so I started learning tennis a year ago because we wanted to get our kids into a sport. And so and we learned early on that my older son is not made for group competitive sports. Mm -hmm. And because he gets very sad when he lets his team down. And he gets very bored when the ball doesn't come to him. You know, Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. basketball, soccer, baseball, all of those moments has just been just really hard for him. So we're like, let's try tennis where the ball always comes to you. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, well, well, as might as well, I might as well learn too. Um, and then, so we've been, I've been learning for a year and then like all the other ladies that I play with are like, you need to sign up for this singles tournament. And I'm like, I am not anywhere near that. Um, but with a lot of pestering, I was like, okay, I'll try it. And if I fail, I will fail well and I will mm-hmm. learn and there are no stakes. It's completely fine. And I had to do a lot of self-talk to get myself into it. And so um, I'm, I told my mother-in-law um, because my in-laws are very athletic people and they're like, so how did your first match go? And I remember saying this in Korean, I was like, I lost perfectly. Uh... <laughs> And she just laughed that, that I said that. And she was like, what does that even mean? I'm like, well, I lost, but like, I wasn't unhappy about it. And it was a sound defeat. So it was very perfect in that. But also like, I didn't like, there was no emotional hang up about it, but I was happy that I tried it and it was fun and I learned. And so, yeah, that was a fun little win for me. Good for you. Trying something new. Right. Knowing you don't have to, yeah. (laughs) And knowing you don't have to be perfect at it. I love that. That that is a good celebration. Yes. I love that. (laughs) 
So then also we do facepalm moments. Oh yeah. You know, the embarrassing blunders that we just have to learn to laugh at ourselves. Do you have anything like that? That's happened lately? Oh my goodness. I, I really appreciate you for giving me the heads up that you were going to ask me this because yeah. <laughs> I had to dig real deep and it's not because I don't have any. It's because I've repressed all of these yes, memories. Yes. And these are the stories I don't really talk about because you know why. Uh, but there are so many, uh, but the one I wanted to share, uh, the one I wanted to share, cause it's kind of humorous is I remember one time I was leading worship in summer camp. Um, it was like a kid's summer camp and, um, we were singing the song, let the praises ring. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a, the chorus goes like, let everything I say and do be found by my faith uh-huh. in you. I love to pull the hands and sing. Let the praises yeah. ring. Okay. Um, anyhow, uh, so during that song, I noticed a few of my volunteers were off on the side and they were just giggling and laughing and just, and so of course I started getting really insecure and like, why are they laughing at me? And yeah. also very angry. I'm like, why are they off on the side giggling? They should be worshiping right now. So I remember afterward, I pulled them aside and I was like, you guys, that was not okay. There are all these kids here and they look up to you and you're sending a poor example for them. And so you need to, you know, don't desecrate worship time. And you know, all the yeah. things I was just, I was very young. <laughs> I was, I was like in my early twenties. And so I was just like, just laying in on them. Like this is yeah. not godly behavior. Um, and then like <laughs> afterward, I found out one, my projectionist told me, do you know that there's a typo in the PowerPoint? And I had looked at it and I was so mortified um, because someone had left off the G in the word sing. So the line was, I lift up holy hands and sin. Oh no. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. One, that I had yelled at those kids for a completely comical and mortifying yes. error. And also that it actually happened and how we missed such a blatant typo. And so like 200 kids were singing, I love to pull hands and sin. Oh my word. <laughs> that was the worst. Oh my goodness. Oh my that is a classic story. I love that so much. Oh my goodness. So funny. <laughs> We've all had moments like that though. So that just reminds right. us, you know, we're all human. We all have those moments. Right. And yeah. so naturally I became an editor by profession. <laughs> there you go. That's so true. Oh my goodness. That's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Linda, thanks so much for being here. As we finish up, is there anything else that you had on the top of your mind about perfectionism that you wanted to share before we're done today? Not so much. I'm, I don't really have much to share, like expertise wise. Um, but something that I wanted to start, well, that I'm starting to do that I want to share about is just kind of knowing to balance your yeses and nos. Mm. Um, so, like, I've been trying to get myself to say yes more and also to say no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, as a perfectionist, it's very hard to say no, because when people want you to do something or ask you to do something, like you have to, you have to be there. You have to do it. You have to deliver. I mean, like speaking of Encanto, like there is that one line that Luisa sings where she says like, um, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like just learning to say no and not overcommitting. I think mm-hmm. that is just something that we, as recovering perfectionists need to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing is just to say yes and to like take breaks. Like um, I remember listening to a TED talk by Shonda Rhimes and how mm-hmm. she said yes to playing with her kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
that is really powerful. And, you know, my kids come into the office asking me to play with them every other minute. And I can't say yes all the time, mm-hmm. um, but I try, I, I've tried to make that a part of my like daily principle is to yeah. say yes to them. And I don't want their, their memory and their impression of me to be like, mom always says no to playing and mm-hmm. mom's always working. Yeah. And so while I want to give them boundaries to be like, yes, I want to play with you, but can you give me five minutes or whatever? And then they go mm-hmm. set a timer on Alexa for real. Mm-hmm. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, also to be like, it's okay if I don't get what I'm working on done in the next 10 minutes, I can right. walk away from it. And that's okay. Like it can be 10 minutes later when I come back to work on this. Mm-hmm. And so that has been also Uh, something that has been really helpful in like relationship building with my kids and also just to set boundaries with work Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just something I would like to leave everyone with yes oh that's really helpful yes because we need to learn to balance those things well the yes Mm -hmm. and the no's so I really like that that's really helpful yes awesome well thank you so much for being here if anyone wants to yes if anyone wants to connect with you or learn more about stuff you can use, how would they do that? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my username is uh, underscore Linda Luna. Um, and uh, I'm a very small Instagram poster, but you can always uh, message me because awesome. I'm always online. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. And then stuff you can use. How can people find more information about stuff you can use or check out the curriculum? All right, you can go to stuffyoucanuse.org or you can go to growcurriculum.org and you can find more about our curriculum because we make things for kids, students, and adults. Yes. So like youth ministry. Um, and there's, we have a lot of goodies and our team is mm-hmm. amazing. I'm learning so much from them every day. Um, that helps me in all aspects of my life. And so, you know, we would love for people to check us out or if they want to collaborate with us like you do with us, mm-hmm. that would also be great. Awesome. Okay, good. And I'll put all that in the show notes too. So everyone can access that. Awesome. Yes. Well, thanks so much again, Linda, for your time and your insights. I just super appreciate you and just grateful for all of the ways that you poured into us today. So thank you. Thank you. This was so fun. Wow. What a gift that conversation was. I am so thankful for Linda and all that she shared with us. And before we get it to our key takeaways, you guys, I really want to know if you call those little images that we send on our phones GIFs or GIFs. So find me on Instagram this week at Carly Communicates because I'm going to take a poll. I really want to know GIFs or GIFs. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I've never heard of GIF before besides peanut butter. So that was like cracking me up. Anyway, Linda's amazing and I would highly encourage you to reach out to her if you have questions or if you just want to thank her for the ways that she poured into our Ditching Perfection community this week. So if you want to connect with her, you can reach out to her on the Stuff You Can Use Facebook groups or as you, as she said, you can check out her Instagram page and message her there. And you guys, she also has a weekly sermon podcast called Calling Water that's available on all the podcast platforms. So connect with Linda. She's amazing. But here are today's key takeaways from this particular conversation. Number one, let's get comfortable with saying, I don't know. It's a gift of peace. Number two, when someone someone gives you constructive feedback or if someone doesn't like what you do, that does not mean you are a terrible person. (laughs) Isn't 
not good news. I need to like put that on a sticky note right in front of my, my desk, I think. Okay, number three, disconnect who you are as a person from what you do. Number four, surround yourself with people who validate your voice, your perspective, and your background. And surround yourself with people who celebrate you, even your imperfections. Number five, the way that God has shaped you in the midst of your flaws, mishaps, and mistakes can actually shape the unique way that you contribute to the kingdom. And number six, we are limited and imperfect. And like her son said, we're small and our best is enough. Number seven, it is healthy and safe to process our moments of failure. Number eight, frame everything as a thank you. And number nine, don't hide away like Bruno. We need your voice. Number 10, oftentimes we recognize where there are cracks. And when we recognize the cracks, restoration can actually begin. Number 11, your gifts don't define your worth. And number 12, take a step and try something new, even if you are not perfect. And finally, based on our conversation today, here are our prayer prompts. Number one, ask God to help you identify your self-limiting beliefs. Maybe write those things down. And then ask God, God, what do you have to say about these self-limiting beliefs? So carve out some time and space to hear God's kind, tender, encouraging voice speak over you. Number two, I loved when Linda talked about framing everything as a thank you. So how can you thank God in this moment? How can you thank God in the moments that you're struggling or you feel like you're a failure? How can you thank God? right now. Reframe this moment as a thank you. And then finally, where is God inviting you to say yes? And where is God inviting you to say no? I would encourage you to spend some time asking God and maybe even writing a column with yes and writing a column with no for this week in particular. Where is God inviting you to say yes? And where is God inviting you to say no? Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Ditching Perfection podcast. If you have missed any of our previous episodes, please go back and listen to those. There's great truth and encouragement in every single conversation. And I would love for you to share this with a friend if you found it helpful. Share on social media or send a friend a message about the podcast. But I'd love for us to link arms with even more perfection ditchers as we walk this road to wholeness together. 